right now. Hallelujah, God, you are holy. God, you are holy and we desire your glory. Hallelujah. 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 God, you are great. Church, we serve a great and mighty God. We serve a great and mighty God. And he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above anything and everything that we could ask or think. But you know, it always aggravates me just a little bit when we stop right there. Because there's a very important ending to that verse. And it says that he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to his power already at work within you. He's already at work, church. He's already at work. And when we are filled with this spirit, the work is continuing, whether we know it or not. Church, I'm so honored to be here. I'll go on ahead and let everybody be seated. We already do a lot of standing and sitting, standing and sitting, standing and sitting, you know, our, our apostolic aerobics. I thank everyone for being here tonight. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of what God is already doing at TPC Harvey. And not just TPC Harvey, but all of our campuses. God is truly at work, and it's amazing. I'm honored to be following the ministry of Brother Josiah, and I think he already stepped out to go down to Children's Church. He is descending. Oh, no, he's back here. He is back here. Praise God. Praise God. I'm glad you're here. I don't know that, uh, that many people know this, but uh, it's always interesting that Brother Josiah and I always end up tag-teaming these services. Brother Josiah and I have been knit together in ministry since a few years before either of us ever came up here. And Brother Josiah, one of the things that brings my heart such great joy is to know that my brother is continuing to serve the Lord at such a great capacity. Those of us who have gone to Bible college and seminary know that within a few years, so many people walk away from the faith. But to be here tonight with you, preaching with you, serving with you, ministering with you, it is one of my greatest joys. Thank you for your service in the kingdom of God. And thank you for your word tonight. Church, can we just give God praise for the word that's already come tonight? <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 I also want to give honor to Pastor Anthony and Sister Michelle for allowing me the honor and opportunity to preach this evening. Church, I'm grateful for their trust, for their confidence, and their leadership. But most of all, I'm thankful for their covering. Church, we have a pastor and first lady who cover us in prayer. We do not see the amount of hours that they spend praying for us, fasting for us, interceding for us, but we experience the fruits even though we never see it. I'm thankful for them. I want to give honor to the campus pastors and the families who are here tonight. 
So many people don't know the time that you guys spend working to provide for your families while you're also building and establishing a church and pastoring a flock. Church, you don't know the sacrifices that these men and women experience on a daily basis. Thank you. Thank you. Lastly, I want to give honor to my beautiful wife. Woo! Yes. That's right. That's right. Church, I could not do what I do without the love and support of Holly Berry. That's right. She's my strength and my energy, and I'm honored to be with her. I'm especially honored that she's not up there working media or sound, and she's down here. So when I get all mushy, she can't mute me. But I'm thankful to be here with her. So church, God's been speaking to me for a little while about what to preach tonight. And in my preparation, I, I struggled. I struggled hard. I searched everything. I was praying. I was seeking. And I was just like, God, where is it? Where is it? I felt like I was in that same cave that Elijah was in. And when I saw the whirlwind, I was like, okay, here it is. It's coming. Wasn't there. In the earthquake, it wasn't there. In the fire, it wasn't there. And I was like, God, what in the world am I supposed to say? Preaching would be a whole lot easier if you would just tell me. And then in a still, small voice, God asked one simple question. Have you forgotten my music? Church, the message that I'm going to preach tonight is remember the music. Remember the music. Because I had to stop in that moment when God asked me that one simple question and I had to repent. I had to repent because in my life, I've devoted myself, and I'm not saying this to build myself up, but I have given hours, hours and hours and hours of my life and lost sleep to know this word, to study it. I've, I've picked it up, and I've examined it, and I've, I've flipped through the pages, and I've, I've looked with a critical mind to say, God, what are you really trying to say to me? And I've, I've prayed every step of the way to say, God, if you could reveal to me the truths that are in your word, I will devote my life every single day to studying it, to understanding it, Because I'm convicted by scriptures like when David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so I've studied. I've listened to sermons and I've I've preached sermons. I've sat in lectures. I've listened to lectures and I've, I've given lectures. I've listened to podcasts and talks and everything that I can get my hands on to know the word better. 
But church, there's something deeper than picking it up and examining it and looking at the words and memorizing the words and knowing simply what his word is. And when God asked me that one simple question, I was reminded of a couple of things. It was a few years ago that that my own mother-in-law, Sister Candy, shared her testimony of being woken up early in the morning, days in a row, and finally hearing the voice of God saying, you used to sing to me at this hour. And he called on her to sing to him again. And then I was reminded of the sermon that Pastor Mitch preached a year or two ago, I don't remember exactly when, but he preached a wonderful message about the Psalms of Ascent and how when Israel would be coming up to the temple and up to the tabernacle, they would do it while they were singing songs. And God began to work on me and to speak to me and to remind me of the glory of his music and how we can memorize and we can study And we can take note all that we want. But if we only ever read it in black and white, then we might get the letter of the law, but we will rip its spirit to shreds. This is why when Jesus was speaking in Matthew 22, verse 29, he was speaking of the Pharisees and the Sadducees when he said, Jesus answered and said unto them, You do err, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. Because you see, church, it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who supposedly knew more about the Word than anybody else. They had memorized it. They could write it from memory. They spent their lives studying it in depth, and knowing every last letter. But even though they knew so much, Jesus said, you don't know the scriptures. And more importantly, you don't know the power of God. You see, church, there's something powerful about music. It's a wonderful thing. It's a powerful thing. The greatest musicians of all time have told stories of its wonder. It can tell a story without words. A good song has movements and measures, and it can bring the mightiest man down to his knees and make him weep just by the ebbs and flows of its tune. It brings us to our knees Because it does something deep inside of us. Music with or without words. It brings the heart and the mind together. And it reunites it with the soul of the human. It gets deep inside of our bones. It reveals to us our emotions. And depending on the song, it takes the journey with us. We like certain songs because they remind us of a time when we struggled. We listen to certain songs on repeat because they tell us exactly what we're feeling. And they somehow put into words and into music what we can never express. This is why we say things like, this is my jam. I've got this on repeat every day. Because music... It peers into the depth of our soul. 
and it reveals to us everything we could only hope to express. This happens in Scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 14 through 23 is a story of Saul's madness. And it reads, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite that is cunning in playing and a mighty valiant man, a man of war and prudent in matters and a comely person and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And in verse 23, And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand, and Saul was refreshed and was well. And the evil spirit departed from him. When David played under the anointing of the Lord, miracles happened. And the evil spirit that overwhelmed Saul was forced to flee. Because there's something mighty and magnificent about the music of God. It redeems the soul. 1 Samuel 4 tells the story of the armies of Israel being defeated by the Philistines. And in that defeat, the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed, and the ark of God was taken. I'm so glad that Brother Josiah brought up the glory of God and the presence of God tonight, because that's exactly where we're going. You see, the ark of God was symbolic of the presence and the glory of God. Where the ark was, there was the favor of God. Everywhere the ark went, God's favor brought relief. It brought victory. And when the glory of God was in the wrong place, it brought destruction. But the presence of God and the glory of God went with the ark. And let me tell you what happens when the glory of God departs. 1 Samuel 4, verses 20 through 22. At this point, the Philistines have overwhelmed Israel. Hophni and Phinehas have died. Word has been brought to Eli, and Eli fell over backwards and broke his neck. He died. And that brings us to verse 20. And about the time of her death, the woman that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. This was Eli's daughter-in-law. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken, 
and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. When we lose the glory of God and the presence of God departs, it leaves at the sound of death and chaos and destruction. When the ark of God leaves and the glory of God departs, it's to the tune of war. And it leaves us devastated. And we lose everything. Now let's look at what happens when the glory of God returns. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 13 through 15. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. This is David returning the ark of God to Israel. In verse 14, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Church, when the glory of God departs, it's to the sound of war and death and destruction. But when it returns, it's to the sound of music. It's to the sound of worship and rejoicing and singing and dancing. Because when you're in the presence of God, the only thing you can do is be overwhelmed by his presence. And we only have to worship. Do you see the difference? It's a mighty difference. And church, this is why the Israelites sang songs on their way up to the tabernacle. This is why they sang psalms of ascent as they came up the temple steps. The glory of God is made manifest when his people sing his praises. So we're going somewhere today, church. We're talking about climbing the mountain. We're talking about going up and down the hills, from the tops of the hills to the valleys. And if you want to know how to ascend the hill, Scripture's very clear. It says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Yea, except he who has clean hands and a pure heart. And if you want to know what it takes to get clean hands and a pure heart, it's exactly what we've done today. We've got to come to the presence of God. We've got to humble ourselves in repentance. We've got to look to him, and we've got to rejoice, and we've got to worship, because it's the presence of God that makes everything possible. I want to read to us one of the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 121, the psalmist writes, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. You see, church, I want to stop right there and say, when you find yourself in the pit of despair, you've got to look around and you've got to return your eyes to the mountain. Because when God calls you up to the mountain, you've got to first look at the mountain. You've got to acknowledge that it's there. You've got to see the mountain. You've got to say, God, I know that your presence is there. I know that you're calling me to return to the top. You're returning me to the top because that's where your glory is. That's where your presence is. And God, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go singing because I want you to be there with me. And he continues, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. God never sleeps on his promises, and he never sleeps on his creation. He's always available to us. 
We just have to remember where his presence is. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. Church, when you're tempted and when you're in that position of despair and you don't know what to do when you feel overwhelmed by your temptations, you've got to look and return your gaze to the hills. You've got to look back to the Lord and say, God, you're my redeemer. You're my protector. You're my defender. You're not going to let my feet slip. I don't have to give in to the temptation because you are with me. You're my strong tower. You're my place of refuge. You're my God and my redeemer. He is the God of all creation. And he loves us deeply. And the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Church, the Lord has given us a promise. And it's when we remember his songs, when we remember his music, when we remember where the glory of God is and we're able to find ourselves moving and ascending up the hill to return to his glory. He gives us a very strict promise. He's going to preserve your going out and your coming in. You see that phrase, going out and coming in, is a, is a phrase that refers to the kings of Israel going out to battle. You see, Israel fell in love with David because David went out with them and he came back in. In the time when Saul wasn't going out to war, David did. And this is why Saul may have slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. David understood how to go out and come back in. So church, what the psalmist is saying here is God's going to fight your battles. He's going to be with you when you go out and when you come in. And when you find yourself at war and you're fighting for your family and you're fighting for your marriage and you're fighting for your mind, you're fighting for your emotions, you're fighting for your salvation, God is going to be there. And he's never going to leave you or forsake you. So church, we can stand. We're going to get ready to respond to the Lord. And as we prepare to respond, we're going to remember that we're going up to the mountain. We're ascending the hills. It's so amazing that we started tonight with repentance. Because as we've already said, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Except he who has clean hands and a pure heart. We've repented. We've had a time of worship. We've been listening to the word. We've been allowing God to redeem our hearts and our minds. We've been allowing God to redeem our souls. Brother Josiah spoke about acknowledging the type of soil that we have. God sent a prophet named Hosea to preach to Ephraim and to Israel. And in Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, he gave a very specific message. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap 
in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Hosea was inviting Ephraim to ascend the hill of the Lord. Ephraim was a people who forgot his music. They didn't heed the voice of the prophet. And Ephraim always said, I'm fine. Ephraim became rich. Ephraim was a wonderful source of provision. They had everything physically that they wanted. And Ephraim still knew the word of the Lord. But just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Ephraim didn't understand the power of God. Ephraim didn't sing his songs. Ephraim didn't play his music. But you see, when we're reminded of his songs, and we're reminded of his music, and we're reminded of his glory in the place of his dwelling, it allows us to break up that fallowed ground. So if you're looking around you and the, and the soil is filled with rocks, and you're trying to plant seeds and you're wondering why nothing is growing, church, the word of the Lord for us tonight, Remember his music. Return to the hill of the Lord. Bring your sacrifice of worship. Sing his songs. Remember the spirit of his word, not just the writing of his word. Because when you sow yourselves in righteousness, it doesn't say sow your seeds in righteousness. Sow your provision in righteousness. Sow yourself. Break up your fallowed ground and throw your heart and your soul into it. Plant yourself into the hill of the Lord and he will reap righteousness upon you. Church, these altars are open. As you come, remember the song of the Lord.